Welcome to the Learn Stage Lighting Podcast. This is the show where newcomers and professionals alike come to learn more about stage lighting. And now your host, David Henry. All right. Hey, everybody. It's David, and I'm really excited today. I'm always excited, but episode 39 is here, and uh, today we're going to talk about networking. But first, got a couple quick things on my plate, kind of in this opening segment to share with you guys. The first is that if you've been around here for a minute or two, you've listened to an episode, please go ahead over to iTunes. And uh, when you do go over to iTunes, go to learnstagelighting.com slash iTunes. You can go to iTunes or you can go to Stitcher. If you're an Android user, if you like Stitcher, that's great. You can go there from that link, learnstagelighting.com slash iTunes. And just when it opens up in in, in uh, iTunes, go ahead over and um, click. There's a little box where you can leave a, late, a rating and review. And so if you could just go ahead for me just today and um, just literally go ahead, find that little box. They might change how it looks if you're listening to this in the future, but literally go to that box and just go to ratings and reviews and then write a review, press that button, and then just write something you've learned or that you think about the podcast. Um, I know I ask about this from time to time, and it it really helps the podcast if you can fill that out. Um, I know lately we've been getting some ratings, um, not many reviews. This doesn't have to be, you know, a thousand word long form article. Um, I just want to know what you're thinking about the show, what you think of it, um, if it's good, if it's bad, if you're indifferent about it. I just want to know. So let us know via iTunes. Awesome. Now, another great thing to talk about today is um, this is coming out on 1023, uh, October 23rd, 2018. And that means that I have just gotten home from the LDI conference, which is the Live Design International Show. It is basically the big lighting trade show for the U.S. for the year. You know, there's other trade shows that cover lighting throughout the year, but LDI, for as most people would say, is the big one that happens every year in October or November in Las Vegas. And over at learnstagelighting.com slash YouTube, I'm speaking into the future here, um, there are and there are going to be a number of videos that I'm going to shoot at LDI. So I'm going to be checking out new products, talking to people, shooting videos, and I'm going to be posting those there so you can see those. You can learn how you can use these various products that I'm going to run into to make better lighting because that's what we're all about here at Learn Stage Lighting and um you know, there's going to be probably a good bit of video there, I imagine. Um, I'm talking into the future, so learnstagelighting.com slash YouTube. If you're not subscribed over there, be sure to press subscribe so you don't miss a thing. All right, so today we're talking about networking. If you remember two episodes ago, if you've been listening, if you haven't, go to learnstagelighting.com slash 037 for the last main segment, episode number 37, where we talked about using a computer for lighting. And primarily, we talked about using PCs, and that is Windows computers, because in general, um, that's what you're going to be running most lighting software on. Okay, we talked about that. And now today, I want to continue that conversation with talking about networking. So why should you even use networking in your lighting? Well, if the answer to that question isn't obvious to you right away, then you may not need to use networking in your lighting. You can just shut off this podcast now, go to iTunes and leave that rating or review, and have a great rest of your day. But, 
and a big but here um, is you you may want to use networking in your lighting for a variety of reasons. One of the main ones that I like to use it for is to set up a backup console that is always following what your main console is doing so that if something were to happen in your show, some sort of power failure, hardware failure, who knows what, um, you know, flying alcoholic beverage hits your console, you have a backup ready to go. So that's one reason to use networking. Another reason is for networked DMX. And so, as you may be aware, DMX and a regular old DMX cable can carry 512 channels of information. But as we begin to work with newer fixtures, especially things that have individual pixels to them, we can eat up a lot of channels really fast. And we're using many, many, many DMX universes or sets of 512 channels. Well, that becomes a lot of individual DMX wires. But over a network, we can send all of that information, all of those universes down a wire to get from our control position to our stage. And, you know, we may not even need to go to regular DMX because some fixtures, newer fixtures, can take in that networked DMX without ever going to a regular three or five pin DMX cable. We'll also have output nodes that convert things to DMX, and we'll also have things like pixel drivers, things that are controlling our LED pixels that also can often take in direct ArtNet or SACN, these networked DMX forms, and they're able to take that direct. You don't have to go to regular DMX. So, we, well, I kind of started off by saying that you might not want to consider using network DMX if it's not blatantly obvious to you, but the truth is networking and networked DMX is becoming a more and more common part of our lighting than it ever has before. When I first started doing this, you know, about 10 or so years ago, I started full time. I probably would have never thought about using networking, setting up a computer network to do lighting. Because with what we were using at the time and what we were controlling and how things were working, that wasn't really something that was on the forefront of my mind. Today, it honestly is odd for me to do a show where I don't do some kind of networking. So that's really, to start off, that's why you should use networking in your lighting. Because if you're not using it now, if you're going to continue doing lighting into the future, networking is going to become a part of what you're doing. In fact, if you're doing audio, networking is going to become a part of what you're doing. If you're doing video, networking is going to be a part of what you're doing. And so networking is actually, you know, it's another skill that a good lighting person needs to work on and needs to add to their set of skills because the future is coming whether or not you want it to, okay? And networking is a part of what we do and, and knowing the basics and knowing how to use it is, is really going to help you, especially if you're trying to do this as a career. But even if you're doing this as a hobby or, you know, as a volunteer, having that ability to use networking is not only going to help you get things done more efficiently, but it's probably going to save you a lot of frustration. So what do you need to begin with networking and lighting? Well, first off, 
like I started with, consoles that or PC versions of software that support networking are probably the first thing you're going to touch that you're going to want to use a network with. Okay, then after that, you may have output hardware. They're often called a nodes or DMX output boxes, ARTnet or SACN to DMX converters. Now, the term node here, just to give you a little bit of background, is an IT term, and it really just means any device that's on a network is called a node. So when we in lighting call DMX output hardware a node, but then we call something like a pixel controller or a console, you know, by its regular name, we're kind of doing something funky there because it's not that the console or the pixel driver is not a node. Everything in a network is a node. But so you may have that kind of output hardware, pixel controllers. And, you know, like I said, even lights themselves are probably the last thing you're going to run into right now, at least, that are going to be able to take that networked signal. So to get started with networking, if you're just hooking a couple consoles together or hooking up a console to some output hardware or a console to a light, then chances are all you need for a basic lighting network is, drumroll please, a network cable. That's right, a network cable. Because in our modern day, um, most devices that we're going to be running into don't require crossover cables. They're going to sense that automatically. If you're doing a basic lighting network, whether it's a PC to an output node, two PCs together, you know, a PC to a wireless access point to be able to control your console wirelessly, a PC to a light. If you're just using two devices, then all the network hardware you need to put between the two is a network cable. This is generally going to be a Cat5e or Cat6 style cable, often called an Ethernet cable, though again, that's something that we call it in our, our lighting world sometimes, but it's not really the correct terminology. Um, Ethernet's a protocol, not a cable, but that's okay. So at the basic level, a cable is going to work fine. Connect the two devices together. You can then go set what's called the IP address and the subnet mask so that they're in the same ranges. And, and I'm not going to go deep into that here. I'm not going to cover that too far just because we only have a limited amount of time and there's a lot you could go into the weeds on on that. But at the base level, setting them within the same range. So if your console is 192.168.0.2 and, and you set your subnet mask to 255.255.255.0, you could then set your second piece of equipment, maybe a second console, to 192.168.0.4, say, or .3, something that's different from .2, but the first three numbers match, and then set the subnet mask the same, and you'll get them to be able to talk to each other. Now, that's the most basic. When you're stepping up from there, in the lighting world, a lot of times we see people using what's called a network switch. Now, you may have a box similar to this in your home. Maybe your internet comes in from the utility company and you've got a box that you call a router, okay? And that box, when it comes to using professional equipment, is actually about three things in one, okay? So it's a router in the sense that it's a device that connects a smaller network, your home or business or lighting network, to larger networks, the internet as a whole, that's what a router does. 
it's a wireless access point, which means that it's what provides the the router a way to send its signal wirelessly. This is a different part of things when we work with um, professional level networks. They're often separate boxes. And then it's also a switch in the case that it has multiple Ethernet ports. You can plug in multiple devices to it. And that switch is going to send the traffic from one device to the other and figure out, make sure everybody gets what they're supposed to get. Okay. Now, if you're a network professional and you're listening to this, obviously I'm simplifying this, especially for folks who are new to networking. So if I do make an analogy at some point that, you know, is a little bit of a networking heresy, it's, it's a little bit inaccurate, just know that I'm doing that for the sense of simplification so that we, we keep this simple so that folks that are new can really grasp this. So a switch, as I was talking about, at the basic level, if you've got, you know, three, four, five devices, you can even have a lot of devices and just run them with a switch. Now, an unmanaged switch is what we see most in the lighting world. That means it's basically just dumb, per se. You know, all the data comes in from all the all the different computers and devices, and it goes out to all of them. And then the devices themselves are left to filter what they want to talk to and what they don't want to talk to. And for what we do in the lighting world, honestly, most of the time, that's as complex as you need to get. You're going to need to go and set your IP addresses manually for all of your different fixtures, but that's not always a bad thing, okay? Now, optionally to this, you can add yourself an access point to be able to get wireless control because, you know, at the end of the day, who doesn't want wireless control of their console? Not necessarily for during a show. I like to always unplug mine during shows. But when you're setting up, when you're tweaking things, having that control is invaluable in a lot of situations. Now, a router, like I said, does something called DHCP. So if you've got a router in the mix, okay, instead of a switch or maybe in addition to a switch when you're networking basic stuff with lighting, a router is going to do something called DHCP, dynamic host something protocol. And what it does is it assigns IP addresses. So if you've ever been in your settings on the computer or on a device, you often have a setting when you're, you're going to set the IP address that says determine my IP address automatically, or it says specify one manually. And when you're using a router or a a consumer router, or a professional one. Now that has what's called a DHCP server, and it assigns those IP addresses to any device that is willing to accept an automatic address. And that's pretty much anything networkable is going to accept an automatic address. There's a few things that don't, especially um, in our lighting world, some lower cost things. For example, you know, thinking of two output nodes, there's the Entech ODE Mark II, which I really like a lot. It has DHCP. You're allowed to just, you could just plug it in. It'll get its address from the router. But the Chave DMXAN, which is also a nice unit, though cheaper, does not offer that functionality. So anytime you need to change or set the IP address, you're going to have to do that manually. And for some situations, you know, that's not going to be a downside. Other times, that's going to be a downside. And so just be informed and, and know what you have and, and whether or not, if you do have a router in the mix, does it go, does it 
assign those or do you need to assign them manually? I can tell you out of recommendation, if you're just starting with something small and you just have some basic networking needs, I would probably go against what I've heard IT people say a lot of times. And I would use a router, honestly. I would use a router versus a bear switch for something small. If you're going to get a lot of traffic or start to get more complex with things, you know, that's when you start thinking about, okay, maybe I don't want to use a router. Maybe I just want to use a switch so that you're not bogged down by the router trying to keep up with things. That can cause problems from time to time. But if you're just starting out, what I would do is I would go ahead, get out, get a router. You can use a consumer router. You can use a professional level router. They work pretty much the same. And, you know, hook up all your stuff to that router. Now, unlike DMX, networks follow what's called a star topography generally, which means that the router or switch is in the middle and each device gets one line of the data. It doesn't daisy chain like DMX. Now, you may be saying, well, David, I know of devices that daisy chain like DMX. And that's true. All of these devices just have a basic switch in them that allows you to connect multiple devices off of the same output of the switch. Now, you need to watch that when you've got those cascading inputs and outputs on devices, because if you start to hook up a lot of stuff, you can actually get to the point where you see a frame of DMX start lagging. And it's generally around about 10 items, 10 boxes or fixtures. So just keep that in mind. Now, to kind of finish up this brief talk through networking, you might be saying, okay, what kind of networking signal should I use? Earlier, I was talking about networked DMX, and I mentioned ArtNet and SACM. These are the two most common ways that you're going to see networking out in the wild with lighting. And the quick difference between them is that ArtNet is older and SACM is newer. For a lot of people, though there's definitely a war going on um, between the people that make these protocols, and it's a friendly war, but it's a war nonetheless, um, a lot of people, including myself, recommend if your gear, if it all can do SACN, I would go ahead and run that as your go-to protocol, okay? Um, it's a little bit easier to configure, it's a little bit more, it's more efficient, and it can run on a network that has other data going down it. ArtNet really generally needs to be by itself on its own network. And, um, you know, it's a it's a little bit more to configure most of the time. But again, go to your console, go to your equipment, and you kind of want to see what your equipment prefers to run. Some equipment isn't going to be able to do it, SACN. So then, you know, you're going to use ArtNet. And then the third type of networking signal that we can use is what I like to call console nets. And this is anytime you're you're setting up a backup console or anything like that, or even sometimes sending DMX data down a network line through um, from your console to a branded, you know, from the brand of your console output device, you may send a console net. For example, the Onyx console that I work with a lot has XNet. High-end systems hog consoles have HogNet. MA Lighting's Grand MA has MANet. You can kind of see there's a pattern here. They pretty much name it after themselves so that you don't get confused. And uh, that's for good reason. So these console nets are not universal by any means in the sense that you can use any brand's output hardware with any brand's console, but they're exactly the opposite. However, 
they're generally the easiest to set up. So if you're just networking two consoles or two consoles with an output piece of hardware that's made by the console's manufacturer, then I would recommend running their console net because it's generally the easiest to configure and and make changes along the way. So I hope, guys, that this really gives you kind of a brief overview of what you need to know with lighting or with networking as a lighting person. As with anything, especially related in the IT realm, we could go deep and we could like really dive into, you know, a crazy level of detail on networking. But what I try to do here is really keep things simple for you. And, you know, if you are interested in learning more and going deeper into networking for lighting and and how to set up some networking between different devices, how to make it all work together, then you may be interested inside of Learn Stage Lighting Labs. There's an action plan called Networking for the Lighting Person. And I basically followed the outline today. It goes through everything I talked about here, but it gives you more detail. It gives you examples. And of course, as always with Learn Stage Lighting Labs, when you join, you get the ability inside our user forum to ask questions at any time And uh, we'll get back to you and make sure that we can make your lighting apply the lessons that you're learning inside of the video action plans. So we'll have a link in the show notes to that. We'll also have a link in the show notes to my video on YouTube. There's a great video that I made a a year or two ago that uh, a lot of people watch and share called What are Artnet and SACN? And, And these really give you a good basic premise on how to use networking in your lighting Um, and and what these two protocols are and what it means to you. Awesome. So in closing, do not forget to check out the show notes either in your podcast app or at learnstagelighting.com slash 039 because this is episode 39, 039. And, uh, you know, like I said at the the bottom of the show, if you've listened through this now, you've heard a whole Learn Stage Lighting podcast. So what are you waiting for? If you can help me, and I would really appreciate it, hop over to iTunes and leave that review and rating. Plus, you're not going to want to miss next week's show. Next week, as I do every other week, I'll be back fresh from LDI um, and be ready to answer all of your questions that come in through learnstagelighting.com slash contact. So if you want me to answer your questions next week, be sure to go to learnstagelighting.com slash contact and enter your question. We'll be answering it on the show. Thank you guys for listening, and I hope you have a great week and do something to make better lighting. See ya. And that's it for today's show. Thank you for listening to the Learn Stage Lighting podcast. Be sure to visit us at learnstagelighting.com to see show notes, past episodes, and download a free guide on how to begin with lighting in your specific context. I'll see you guys on the site. Thanks. Thanks.